Welcome back, everybody, to the Random Red Shirt Podcast. I am Zach, and with me is my good friend Chris. And we're oh. Ex- oh, go ahead, oh. Chris. Hello, hello. Yeah, we're excited because this is episode number two. And let me tell you, we're in for a fun discussion uh, on this episode. We are going to be talking about what I would like to call the great nerd debate, and that is Star Trek versus Star Wars. This tale is as old as time, as they say. Uh, Maybe not as old as you think, but it is something that uh, in what I would colloquially like to call the nerddom or nerd nerd kingdom uh, of this debate of, of, well, what's better? Star Trek or Star Wars? Well, of course, Star Wars is better because of X, Y, and Z. Or no, Star Trek's better, X, Y, and Z. I mean, you really see the pinnacle of Star Trek versus Star Wars in the kind of cult B-movie fanboys. And if for those of you listening, if you have not seen fanboys, you must go watch it. It is an epic nerd movie. Chris, have you seen that movie before? I have, Zach. Yeah, I loved it. Very, very funny. Yeah, it's absolutely hysterical. Um, And it definitely shows the disdain that some Star Wars fans have for Star Trek fans and vice versa. And we're going to get into that. We're going to talk a little bit about each franchise. We're going to talk about this concept of Star Trek versus Star Wars. And we're going to dive deep into this because I think it's a topic that a lot of people want to hear about. A lot of people want to discuss and uh, a lot of people have interest in. Um, And so we're going to continue on from that. So what I thought we'd do for this episode, Chris, is, is, uh, you know, looking back on episode number one, if you haven't. Uh, listen to this podcast before. We're just a couple of nerds that like to talk about nerdy stuff. So welcome and thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Um, the Random Red Shirt, which again is a Star Trek reference. And if you don't get that reference, then you might not be listening to the right podcast, but welcome anyways. So in our first episode, we did our top 10 favorite science fiction franchises. And Chris, you and I had the same top two, but in a different order. That's right, we did. Our top two, Star Trek and Star Wars, um, and then reversed for me. That's right, that's right. And uh, don't worry, eventually we'll get you on the right path, Chris. But until then, um, (laughs) what I thought we'd do is, you know, I mean, I had Star Trek as my number one science fiction franchise that's my favorite, and you had Star Wars. So what I thought we'd do is, uh, you know, I would talk about Star Trek, Uh, and a little bit of the history about it and some information, maybe some gee whiz information for those of you out there that don't know this information. Um, I kind of have a a sickness or a disease because I have all this random useless knowledge rattling around in my head, and I feel like I'd be smarter if I had devoted more brain power to more important things, but that's a whole other topic. So, um, Chris, why don't you go first, and why don't you talk to the, uh, the listeners about your favorite science fiction franchise, a little bit of maybe history and information about it, and um, what makes Star Wars so fascinating to you? Yeah, thanks, Zach. Now, now I love both Star Wars and Star Trek, and so I have all of the Star Wars movies. I have all of the Star Trek movie, uh, Star Trek movies. I love them both dearly, um, but Star Wars happens to be at the top for me. You know, Star Wars released in 1977. That first step. George Lucas, you know, groundbreaking special effects that blew everyone away at the time. Um, that was an incredible experience for so many people. That original episode, I'm, I'm sure most everyone's familiar with the with the episodes of Star Trek, but or excuse me, Star Wars. But the original episodes, in the order of them releasing, you know, the episode four, A New Hope, episode five, Empire Strikes Back. Episode six, Return of the Jedi. And then those prequels. The prequels releasing in 1999, uh, The Phantom Menace, episode one, episode two, Attack of the Clones, episode three, Revenge of the Sith. Now episode five, Empire Strikes Back, my favorite episode and so many others' favorite episodes. And if they have another favorite episode, they're, they're probably wrong, I think. I, I would happen to agree with you, Chris. I, we can agree upon one thing here, and that is, is that Empire Strikes Back is the pinnacle of Star Wars movies. That's right. That's right. Such a great, 
movie. Um, and then though, those recent years, uh, these other three movies that have come out, um, which for me don't really exist in, in my idea of the Star Wars universe, but nonetheless, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that episode seven of Force Awakens, eight, The Last Jedi, and nine, Rise of the Skywalker. And, you know, let's not forget those. There's, I, I think there are some really good standalone movies too. That yes, came out recently. absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, really enjoyed Rogue One. And Solo, I thought Solo was, uh, was a lot of fun. I think Solo's underappreciated. Solo got a ton of backlash by critics, which, again, I mean, honestly, go see the movies the critics say are the worst because those are usually the best. Um, and I put off watching Solo for a long time, and I regretted it because when I watched it, it was pretty darn good. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, then, and we've got all the animated series, Clone Wars, Rebels, um, and I know there are more, plus, plus all of the, the books and the literature that's out there. Um, so, so much of a portfolio, so much literature in Star Wars that's out there right now. Um, you know, what's com- compelling for Star Wars for me, um, Star Wars is a, is a space fantasy. And, and for me, I loved this idea of Star Wars and growing up where it's about the, the hero's journey, you know, that hero Luke um, or Rey. And, and along their journey, their search for meaning identity who they are and what their purpose in life is you know that idea i think is is timeless it shows up in greek mythology shows up in a lot of children's literature and adult literature um, and it's got those archetypes of good and evil of mentorship and these great challenges you know that luke and that ray they have to go through um, and i think that resonates with a lot of people and then you've got this connection uh, to something bigger in the universe, you know that idea of the force that binds us, that that energy force, the light side and the dark side. I think uh, people that definitely resonates with people, especially if they have um, a strong sense of spirituality. That that sense of the universe and that connection to the universe is something that that has deep meaning for people. So all of those aspects of of Star Wars really like connected with me. And then of, then of course you've got that concept of the Jedi order and the Jedi Knights, those noble guardians of peace and justice in the galaxy, that idea of, of discipline training and the effort to become a Jedi, that achievement and what it means to the people in the Star Wars universe. You know, that idea is certainly compelling. And then who can forget the music, John Williams score, um, is ingrained in so much of our culture uh, throughout the whole world. Um, and, and, and certainly lightsabers are, so children um, love, love their lightsabers. Star Wars is something that easily, like if you're a parent, you can connect those ideas with your, you know, with your children, um, help them understand the ideas of, of good and evil, of becoming a good person. Um, and those ideas flow, you know, flow out through so much of children's literature that that can stick with them. So, so those are some of the ideas. Um, so some of the reasons star Wars has stuck with me throughout all of this, this time, why I love it so much. Not that I don't love star Trek too, but that the reason star Wars has such, such a depth of meaning and while I'll continue to love it. Yeah. I mean, star Wars is, like you said, it's ingrained in our culture. People know what lightsabers are and the Force and Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker. I mean, it's a huge part of our culture. Um, and you think for for a movie, the initial movie in 1977, and really the original trilogy as a whole, I mean, George Lucas had to pretty much fund those movies by himself with his own money because the movie studios didn't, they didn't believe in him enough to give him the control he wanted, right? I mean, that's... My understanding from watching some of the documentaries is that Lucas wanted total control over his project. He didn't want the production studios monkeying around with his idea and his universe he created. So he went on on his own. That's right. And you can really appreciate that, that vision and that continuity of vision. Well, you know, along the, the first six, six episodes, um, that takes a lot of strength and a, a lot of will to be able to kind of, to, continue that vision, fund those movies, um, and get them watched by so many view- viewers. Yeah, and the risk, right? I mean, you think about the risk he had to, to, to go, at, go on it on his own, 
to make these movies. I mean, that was incredibly brave to do that. But he believed in himself. And I think that's one of the cool things about the whole story behind the creation of Star Wars is that Lucas believed in himself and believed in his vision enough to make the movies. Now, you can argue. Some people say, well, Lucas is, is a great um, – a great idea, right? He, he comes up with these fantastic ideas, but his writing isn't always the greatest. And some of his casting choices aren't the greatest, but I mean, nobody's perfect, right? I mean, he, he created maybe the greatest science fiction franchise when it comes to movies that we've ever seen. That's right. That's right. It, it was his vision and idea that made it. And um, you're right. You can't, you can't be, perfect at everything and you can't be perfect at casting or perfect at writing, but that vision um, that he had has certainly changed the world. I would say, you know, over, over these last 40 plus years. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm the same way you are. I love both star Wars and star Trek. Um, but for me, uh, Star Trek will always have a very special place in my heart. Mm-hmm. And um, for those of you, you know, a lot of people know, oh, I know, I know Star Trek. You don't need to tell me anything. Um, you, a lot of people listening probably already know some of the stuff I'm going to say, but, you know, Gene Roddenberry is, is the, the Star Trek equivalent of Star Wars. And then as a matter of fact, uh, George Lucas has said on several occasions that he owes inspiration and a lot of what he did to Gene Roddenberry and Star Trek. In fact, science fiction today from the late 1960s on from the creation of Star Trek, owe it to Gene Roddenberry and his ability to create a futuristic world that people have tapped into over and over and over again for inspiration to make their franchises. So Gene Roddenberry was groundbreaking. You're talking about a guy who was a police officer. He's a World War II fighter pilot, a very decorated one at that. And here he comes in as a writer and things like that. And he comes up with this idea of a wagon train to the stars. That's what his concept for Star Trek was. So September 8th, 1966, Star Trek gets its first pilot called The Cage. Not starring William Shatner, though. Starring Jeffrey Hunter as Enterprise Captain Christopher Pike. Now, we meet Christopher Pike later on in the original series with um, William Shatner, played by a different actor in a different, completely different situation. NBC rejects the first pilot after it airs, says, eh, just, we just, it just didn't work. But the executives were very impressed with this uh, wagon train to the stars concept. So they actually do something that you almost never see in Hollywood. And that is... They order a second pilot, and in this pilot called Where No Man Has Gone Before, we know that part of that Star Trek phrase very well in our nomenclature in, in uh, you know, our society today. On September 22nd, 1966, a second pilot called Where No Man Has Gone Before, like I said, starring William Shatner this time, a Canadian-born actor, as the one and only Captain James Tiberius Kirk. Uh, between him and Spock and in Scotty and McCoy, those characters have become very integral into our culture, just like Star Wars. You're talking about the pointy ears and the Vulcan salute and all this stuff has become just as integral in our society as lightsabers and the force and Darth Vader and so forth. So the original series comes on in the 60s. It runs for three seasons every year, Chris the ratings were very, very low. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact of the time slot. It was on too late in the evening during the week for kids to see it. Oh, yeah. However, in late 1969, the show was put into syndication. For those of you who don't know what syndication means, it means it's put into reruns. Reruns weren't a huge, huge thing back in the day. I mean, uh, syndication, that was still kind of a newer thing even back then. You, not like it is now, obviously. And uh, so the show was put in a syndication, but it was put into a time slot earlier in the evening where kids could watch it. Kids started watching it and they loved it. And it all of a sudden took off. So then, and here's a connection between Star Trek and Star Wars. So then the show is in syndication and it's just, it's booming. It's super popular and everything like that. Then 1977 rolls around, as you mentioned. And this movie called Star Wars comes out. 
and it just blows up at the box office and Paramount goes, holy crap. Wow. Uh, we need to answer this. We've got to come up with something to, to counter Star Wars that, that we want to take advantage of this on the big screen because up until this point, Star Trek has been a TV show, not movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they drum up the original cast after almost a decade and create Star Trek The Motion Picture. And then the original cast goes on to make six movies. Um, and of course, the running gag in Star Trek with Star Trek fans always is it's with the original series movies, it was always the even numbered movies that were good and the odd number movies that weren't. <laughs> so, for example, um, you know, one, three, and five were, were, were the bad movies. So, uh, you know, the motion picture was very slow and the costumes were horrid and everything like that but then you get star trek wrath of khan which may be the greatest star trek movie of all time although i have my favorite that one's number two uh search for spock number three eh, you know it was kind of weird although we got christopher lloyd doc brown from back to the future as a klingon commander crew which is awesome um star trek for the voyage home you got to see spock swear that was pretty hilarious mm -hmm. um star trek 5 which is definitely revered as the worst star trek movie in the entire franchise but um, ambitious <laughs> ambitious but just even shatner says that it, it didn't come out the way he originally intended because he was the one that kind of came up with the movie i guess and then you get star trek 60 undiscovered country which is fantastic um and and so those movies help spawn new new shows new franchises in star trek so in the 80s, 1987, Gene Roddenberry comes back daringly and tries again with a new show, Star Trek The Next Generation. And it's a whole new cast. There's no Kirk and Spock. And it's set in the future from Kirk and Spock. And people didn't like it. The first couple seasons they were on, people did not like that show. They said, Star this isn't Star Trek. It doesn't have Kirk and Spock. But eventually... it becomes maybe the most popular of the of all the star trek shows was the next generation then you get other iterations with d space nine which is my favorite i mean i grew up on next gen and ds9 but ds9 holds a very special place in my heart and we'll talk about these shows probably in later episodes then you That's get right. uh, uh, voyager then enterprise which goes back in time 100 years before kirk and spock and then now you currently have uh the animated show Lower Decks, which I've not seen, but it really isn't appealing to me. And then you also have Star Trek Discovery. Nice. So it, it's, a, it's a big franchise and it's done movies and shows. And for a long time, all Star Wars was was movies. And there was no shows really until, until you started getting the Clone Wars um, and things like that. So, uh, you know, Star Trek and Star Wars have had their differences. Um, for me... One of the things that I've loved about Star Trek is that, and you, and this is especially true in the original series, is that Star Trek, unlike Star Wars, I think, does a better job of addressing fundamental human issues. It challenges social norms, and it makes stories that address moral and philosophical topics. Let me give you one example. This is probably one of my favorite examples that I use to, to describe Star Trek to people who've never seen it. And it's an original series episode. And there's another one in Next Gen as well. But in this original series episode called – the title of it is Let, this be, Let That Be Your Last Battlefield. These aliens come on board the Enterprise, and one of them, by the way, is played by Frank Gorshin, who played the original Riddler in the Adam West Batman series. He's a very accomplished actor, phenomenal actor. So you get these two aliens that come on board. One is like a runaway. He is like – he's not in, – in the eyes of his race, he's, he's a convict, but he's basically seeking asylum on the Enterprise. And on one side of his face, it's all white. And on the other side of his face, it's all black. One of the an, another member of his species comes on board the Enterprise to, to take him away, and but on him, one side of his face is black, the other side of his face is white, but it's reversed. And so he says that this, that this runaway guy isn't the same as him. The colors are flipped; they're reversed. They're not equal. Well, think about what was going on during the '60s, the late '60s, when Star Trek: The Original Series was on. You talk about, uh, uh, you know. Um, the, uh, uh, you know, Martin Luther King and you talk about um, the, the uh, uh, you know, all the race riots and you talk about the, um, the movements and everything that were going on in the 60s. 
This was a huge topic. This is something that never would have been on TV if it hadn't been set in space in the future. And so it really discusses stuff like that where, you know, they're in a sense addressing the color of their skin, but in a, in a very roundabout way of doing that. And Nichelle Nichols, who plays Uhura in the original series, she tells a story about how she went into Gene Roddenberry's office one time and she says, Gene, can I have a word with you? And he says, sure, come on in. She says, I know what you're doing. He's like, oh, really? What am I doing? She says, you're, you're doing morality plays and you're setting them in the future. And he dies laughing and he says, Shh, don't tell anyone. So it's, you know, or they, you know, they won't figure it out or whatever. Uh, it's really fantastic what Gene Roddenberry was able to do and the things he was able to address. And then there's another episode of Next Generation called episode called A Measure of a Man. And it's and it deals with data, whether or not he has the rights to choose and whether or not he's a sentient life form. Starfleet, which is, you know, this overarching organization that, that controls the starships. You kind of think of Starfleet kind of sort of as like the military of the Federation in Star Trek. But in um, in Starfleet, Starfleet's saying, no, Data is just a bunch of random parts and wires and stuff. He's not a sentient life form. And Captain Picard goes to bat for him and says, no, he absolutely is. He has outgrown his original programming. So th little things like that are what really draws me to Star Trek, that you know they can address topics that aren't maybe – necessarily addressed in other shows you know most most popular entertainment doesn't dare to address the stuff that star trek addresses yeah i i actually love that you you you're compelled and you love that part about star trek because even though it's you know it's it's science fiction it's set in space it's set in the future it it's exploring those ideas of of what it is to be a human just like you said and exploring those ideas of of what is sentience, you know, what is free will? Um, what are, what are the social ideas and norms that we have and, and are they right? And that makes Star Trek very important because it doesn't have the fear to ask those questions um, and then ask it of the audience too. So absolutely. Yeah. 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 Very thoughtful. Yeah. I think, um, you know, you look at kind of what's going on today in the world today and without getting too much, obviously, um, I think I think it would do a lot of good for a lot of people to watch Star Trek and just say, you know, let me think about this topic they're addressing. Let me let me think about, you know, uh, some of the social issues they're addressing. And it's crazy because a lot of the social issues that they addressed in the 60s and even in the 80s are still prevalent today. You know, and what I love about Gene Roddenberry's vision for Star Trek is unlike Star Wars. Star Trek has a very utopian view that, that Gene Roddenberry thinks that eventually one day in the future, us as humanity will get there where we are not struggling with war and poverty and disease. And by, by, by humanity, I mean like human earth, not we're not going to deal with war with aliens, but I'm, you know what I mean? Like just within ourselves as humans here on earth, yep. we're not going to struggle with disease and poverty and war and, you know, everybody will be treated equally and that's something that i think we could all strive for it doesn't matter what you look like or who you are it matters um about how you treat other people and the fact that you treat somebody else as equal to you that you're not better than somebody else you know and, and i love that his his one of his famous quotes that he says infinite diversity and infinite combinations that we should celebrate the, our differences rather than use them as barriers. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's for sure. Yeah. One of the many things that I love about Star Trek that draws me to it. Plus, I mean, there's so many compelling stories and of course they have space battles and aliens and transporters and warp drive. And that's all great and, and, and cool. But the heart of Star Trek is where it's at for me. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you were talking about the the good Star Trek movies and the bad Star Trek movies. You know, Star Trek Two, Star Trek Four, Star Trek Six yeah. being being the good ones. Um, Wrath of Khan, you know, for me, yeah, that is that is my favorite one. Um, but to touch on what you just said, the heart of it, um, Star Trek Star Trek Two had heart. It had friendship, um, and it deals with something that we yeah. I think we we can all relate to, which is revenge. Yes. Right. You know, when Khan's like, 
revenge the dish best served cold. You know, I mean, people deal with trying to get revenge all the time. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a human characteristic that pe- that I think in general we start with. You know, somebody cuts you off on the highway, you want to get revenge on them by speeding up to them and riding their bumper. You know, somebody you know you get really heated and somebody gives somebody else the middle finger. You know, I mean, stuff like that. But there's little things where you see that and you see those issues being dealt with in Star Trek. Yes. So, um, well, I think with that, we kind of discuss a little bit about each franchise and kind of what they mean to us. Let's take a quick break. Uh, let's have a word from our sponsor. And when we come back, Chris, let's kind of dive more into this, into Star Trek versus Star Wars. You know, are they the same? Are they different? Can you, can you really like both or do you have to pick sides? And I think that's what we should talk about next. So let's hear a word from our sponsor and we'll be right back. All right. Well, we're back from our quick break uh, and a message from our sponsor. So this segment of this episode, what we're calling the great nerd debate, Star Trek versus Star Wars. Uh, Chris, I kind of wanted to talk about um, and dive deeper into this idea of that Star Trek and Star Wars are always head to head that you, that, you know, I, I know a lot of people who like both. But there's, the, but typically in this particular instance, they tend to take one side or the other, and that's okay. You can obviously have your favorite of the two. We both have our favorites of the two, but yet we both like the, them, you know, quite a bit. We both love them, for that matter. So, um, you know, what uh, what I like to do is just kind of talk about that a little bit further. So, w- what are your thoughts on this 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 debate of Star Trek versus Star Wars and how it's always head to head and there's always got to be a winner between the two of them, like a boxing match or something? Yeah, that's a great question, Zach. Um, and it is it's also really interesting, you know, hearing that history from before and how they both influenced each other. You know, it's particularly on how how Star Trek influenced star wars and vice versa for me you know they both stand they stand tall and they they stand alone um there's not there's not one that necessarily has to be better than the other at all by any means star wars for me is completely space fantasy and you know at at the beginning at the beginning of each episode it says a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It's fundamentally different than what Star Trek is. You know, Star Trek takes place in the future. It's this evolution of, of like humans and what we can become. Star Wars, space fantasy. And it doesn't get too wrapped up into trying to scientifically explain everything or, or give a scientific um, explanation or reason for all of the aspects or technology there. It's just, it's just, you know, not part of what Star Wars does. Um, you know, Star, Star Trek, um, it does. It tries to base things as much as possible um, in the evolution of technology. So that's a completely different thing um, and a different course that, that Star, Trek, um, Star Trek is about. You know, S- Star Wars, again, it's about that hero's journey, so they don't have to get wrapped up into too much of um, explanation or scientific explanation. So those stand alone for me. Um, and, you know, Star, Star Trek with, with the Federation um, and Starfleet, it's got this whole idea of um, what's the ideal organization that, that, that we can have. Um, you know, Star Wars with uh, with the uh, Jedi Knights, it's it's similar, but but still, you know, different. They're not they're not competing. Um, they're kind of completely different organizations. You know, uh, one is based on on meditative study and using the Force, um, and then Starfleet based on on exploration. So I don't think that people really have to get caught up with one being better than the other, like by by any means at all i hope i hope they feel that you know they can appreciate and love them you know uh equally almost or or it's no no big deal for them to have um one that they may like more than the other yeah i I would agree with you um you know when i was growing up uh me, me and one of my buddies we always used to have this discussion of well you know 
if it was a Star Destroyer versus the Enterprise, well, the Star Destroyer would win because of the tractor beam and it's got <laughs> forward shielding. It's got all these turbo laser batteries. Well, no, the Enterprise would win because it just fly and maneuver around and it would shoot right through the, the shields and it would blow it up and, you know, photon torpedoes and quantum torpedoes and, you know, it would outrun the Star Destroyer because it's got warp drive and versus hyperdrive. And, you know, you get down to the, all the nitty gritty little things of all the technology and stuff. But, and that's, those are fun debates to have, of course. You know, like, oh, who would win in a battle, Darth Vader or the Borg? Well, Darth Vader would just use the force to choke him, to choke the Borg out. Well, no, the Borg would assimilate Vader and you'd have, like, instead of seven of nine, it'd be one of Vader or something, yeah. you know, ridiculous, yeah. right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, it just doesn't work. Because Star Wars has a different concept. I mean, obviously, in Star Trek, there's no such thing as the Force. So how can you have the two in the same universe if one doesn't exist and one does? Because if the Force exists, then does that mean Captain Picard could force choke Wesley Crusher every time he tells him to shut up, Wesley? I mean, yeah. come on. So um, for me, there are fundamental differences between the shows. And again, that doesn't mean you can't like both. We've already said we both love these franchises to death. When I was growing up, I had even though Star Trek was number one for me over Star Wars, I had more Star Wars toys than I had Star Trek toys. I still had a, a, several Star Trek toys, but I had a lot more Star Wars toys. I had a lot more Star Wars merchandise in general than Star, Star, Star Trek stuff. And there's reasons for that. But, you know, I say, are Star Trek and Star Wars the same? Yes and no. Okay. Star Trek was meant for the small screen. Really, it's, it's meant to be an episodic television show that deals with specific issues and topics uh like we discussed in our first segment um that star wars does not address uh star wars is a big action pack blow them up big screen you know type of deal with lots of action and everything and you know i i kind of describe star trek and star wars the way that george lucas and, and gene roddenberry mentioned them you know star trek is a wagon train to the stars and and that deals with those these different fundamental issues star wars is a space opera about children with daddy issues you know what i mean <laughs> so yeah um, you know they're just different things and, and george lucas has specifically been quoted saying that he made and and targeted star wars to entertain 12 year olds yeah well, well let's look at like jar jar binks right? oh he, uh... oh why, why did you have to bring up jar jar binks chris I mean, yeah. okay, so within Star Wars fandom, I would say that Jar Jar Binks has to be the most controversial character in the entire franchise. Is that is that accurate or not? I think that's I think that's fair to say. You uh, now, I'm on the side where uh, I don't mind Jar Jar at all, but I know that there are plenty of folks on that complete other side. Yeah, I mean, for me, Jar Jar, he's annoying, but he doesn't tick me off the way that he does a lot of people. Like some, like okay. Apparently, back in the day, so Ahmad Best is the actor who did the physical movements for the CGI as well as the voice of Jar Jar Binks. And mm -hmm. apparently, people hated his character so much, he actually got death threats in real life, which is oh. absolutely atrocious. That's just, yeah. that's not his fault. He is acting to the script, he is creating a character that George Lucas has written. So I thought that is absolutely horrific. Now, that isn't the case anymore. And I do think some people have, have kind of – Jar Jar's kind of grown on them. But maybe talk for a second, Chris, about the, the, um, the fan-created uh, uh, theory or the fan-created story about Jar Jar. That a yeah. lot of people like actually. Is it isn't there a fan-created story that uh, Jar Jar is a dark lord of the Sith? And and he cre and he, it was his his kind of clumsiness and his undoing and his vote. I think it was his vote in the Senate, right? That that created it put it would put the tipping point on creating of the Galactic Order. I think it was something something like that. Well, that I, I I thought that his vote was actually wasn't his vote that no I thought his vote was a deciding vote that got. Uh, Palpatine, oh, yes. Yes. Uh, Senator Palpatine to become Supreme Chancellor and have all this extra power. And so everybody's like, wait a second. There's a reason why he got that power because Jar Jar was a swaying vote because he's a Sith. Yes, that's right. So it's really cool how people took a negative thing and tried to spin it in a positive way. And there's like artwork of 
uh, of uh, a fan created artwork of Jar Jar as a Dark Lord of the Sith with like a hood and everything and a red lightsaber. And it's it's a pretty cool thing that fans have done to try to take the negativity off it and make it something unique. Yeah, that I, w- I haven't seen that artwork that I would like to see. And, you know, maybe Jar Jar should get his own uh, his own standalone movie. Yeah, let's not push it too far. <laughs> Okay, you you, you may want to backtrack on that, Chris, because we're now going to get a bunch of hate messages on this podcast. But uh, unless you're talking about the the standalone movie being him as Darth Jar Jar, then I think people could get on board with that. Darth Jar Jar would be cool. For sure. Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, we look at the two different franchises and and they have been very different for a long time. Now, back in 2015, there was an article on CNET.com where famous astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson, who most people have heard, and some people, there's mixed opinions on him, right? Some people think that he's, he's a great scientist. Other people think he's a phony who's just, you know, kind of like the face of science and basically goes out and gets grant money and everything. But regardless of that, that's not what this discussion's about. He has an a, 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 a overwhelming opinion, and he was quoted as saying, I never got into Star Wars. He admitted in an interview with Business Insider. They made no attempt to portray real physics, of course, coming from a science guy, at all. Star Trek successfully peaked into the future with its visions of communicators, tricorders, tablets, computers, and virtual reality. Meanwhile, we're still awaiting for the ability to move objects with the magic force of our Jedi minds. So I thought that was kind of a, a humorous quote. If, you're look, if you, you, you look at the two, you know, in this, in this concept of, Han Solo and the Jedi take on Captain Kirk and the Federation in a sci-fi clash of titans, you know, to, d- to determine which franchise reigns supreme. And that's, and right. that's, that's really what this, this debate has been about for a long time, which franchise reigns supreme. But in, in peeling back the layers as we have during some of our discussions and then kind of, uh, uh, you know, taking notes and building up to, to recording this episode, um, it – they're not franchises that need to reign supreme. They can reign supreme in their own rights because they're unique. Yeah, they're complete. They stand alone um, and they don't, they absolutely do not have to compete. That's right. Yeah. And I, I think they appeal to different people, right? Like my kids enjoy watching star Wars. They don't like to watch star Trek because star Trek doesn't appeal to them because they're 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 not of the age where they're going to understand what's going on in star trek necessarily star wars again it's that more shoot 'em up it's good versus evil it's bad guys versus good guys you know on on average you can kind of tell who's bad and who's good you know okay is kylo ren a bad guy or a good guy is vader a bad guy or a good guy you kind of know right just by the way they're written and the way their characters look um Star Trek's not that way. I mean, there's a, there can be blurred lines at times. I mean, you know, who are the bad? Are the Romulans bad? Are the Klingons bad? Or is it just different difference in cultures because they don't like the Federation? I mean, it's a very different approach. Yeah, that's right. As you, as you like, when I was growing up, it was, um, of course I loved, I loved Star Wars. Um, but you, as you grow and as you encounter more school and work environments, you really begin to appreciate and find more meaning in the episodes and the situations that Star Trek finds itself in. You learn a lot from the decisions that the captains make and you get to get a great appreciation of, of how people, you know, work as teams, um, uh, how, how friction can happen, how, how to come overcome friction and then consequences of decisions and so those, you know, those types of things, um, the more you, the more you grow, those really start to speak to you. Um, so that's, that's something that, you know, the kids may not, may not get right away. So that's why they're, they're drawn to, to Star Wars. Yeah, um, absolutely. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I've been to, I think like, I think I've been to six Star Trek conventions in Vegas so far. And I know I'm really excited because you're going to be going to your first Star Trek convention in Vegas this year with me, uh, which is going to be super exciting. I'm, I'm, I think I'm more excited for you than I am for myself because I've, I've been there, done that, and I have a few of the T-shirts. 
but <laughs> to for an opportunity for you to go there and experience what a convention a star trek convention is like is going to be a lot of fun and oh by the way this is kind of somewhat breaking news they announced the dates today for today as in may 12 2021 the announce the, the dates for Star Wars Celebration in Anaheim in 2022. They've moved it up from from August. It's going to be April, uh, May 26th through the 29th of of 2022. Oh, excellence! Oh, so, that's, that's great. Yeah. So for those of you who are interested in going to Star Wars Celebration this year, make sure you go and check out the the uh, Google it, and you'll find the link to get signed up on the interest list for tickets and all that when they go on sale again. Because I had tickets for. Star Wars celebration is going to be my first ever Star Wars celebration, 2020. But then, of course, you know, COVID happened. And so it didn't end up getting canceled for two years. So um, I'm looking forward to that. But, but that's kind of a yeah. whole rabbit trail. So, yeah, I mean, it, you're right. And, and one of the things I've loved about Star Trek is that you learn a lot about – there's a lot of great leadership lessons in Star Trek, a lot of them. Yeah. And you learn from the different captains and their leadership styles and philosophies. You don't really see the leadership – as much in star wars because that's not the focus of it the focus is to entertain 12 year olds and how do you entertain 12 year olds you have lightsaber battles you have space battles you have the force you know you have all these cute little grogu you know and um uh, you know adventures and battles and bounty hunters and all this stuff and um one of the things i love about because i've been talking a lot about star trek and my love for it but one of the things i love about star wars is not only is it entertaining and that you can get lost in the the uh the universe of star wars but more than star trek george lucas always knew how to market and brand the, his license of star wars better than star trek ever could star wars in my opinion has always had the better toys the better games like rpg for example yes. um and other certain types of merchandise that star trek just couldn't really get a handle you know back in the 80s well, actually, even before that, they had they had toys from the, the 70s, I think, from the original series. But, you know, from my age, um, next gen and on, you know, the, eventually Playmates got the license for Star Trek and they had the Star Trek franchise. But their toys. OK, so in Star Trek, right, a lot of there's like a lot of diplomacy and away missions and things like that. Maybe that aren't as exciting as space battles and lightsaber battles. So the toys just. The, the play of the toys wasn't maybe as, as the same as you would if you're playing Star Wars toys. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. You know, I had a lot and have, I still have a lot of Star Wars toys, um, the action figures, the spaceships, uh, the Legos, um, the games. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I have, have all of those. And, and I think Star Wars is really, really successful in its merchandise and its, and its toys throughout the years. Yeah, and, and I think Star Wars is becoming even more successful merchandise. So you think about it, right? So we can debate, and I think we're going to do an episode on this in the future, correct me if I'm wrong, where we discuss what we think went wrong when Disney took over and bought the, 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 the uh, rights to Star Wars. However, yeah. however, that being said, I think one of the things that Disney has done really well with since they've gotten the license to Star Wars is – the amount of content they put out there. And we may even do a future episode on this podcast on how to survive and navigate in a content filled world, because there's so much content out there for all these shows and franchises we love, especially Marvel. Oh my goodness. Disney has gone wild with the Marvel franchise. <laughs> I mean, crazy, right? They but, have. but um, you know, since Disney got Star Wars, they've really done an amazing job of putting out a lot of great content. Now, we can probably are, say between the two of us that, that the new franchise they did with Ray and Kylo Ren and stuff just really isn't that good overall. I think I think there's some redeeming qualities from it, but overall, maybe we're not very big fans of that fran of that trilogy. That is accurate. That's yeah, <laughs> I would say especially for you. Now, yes. my, my kids love the new franchise uh, and are the new trilogy. And that's fine. I mean, I, you know, that that's cool to each his own. Um, but what I do think they've gotten right is things like the solo movie. Uh, you mentioned before Rogue One, which is to me the second best Star Wars movie behind Empire mm -hmm. Strikes Back. Um, and then the, the shows they come. I mean, my goodness, The Mandalorian. If that was its own movie, it would be in the top three best Star Wars movies. That last episode of, of Mandalorian, I don't want to spoil it for uh, anyone 
who has not watched it, but uh, oh, that was excellent. That was awesome. It really was. And I mean, Disney brought us what people used to refer to and still do in some cases, baby Yoda or baby Grogu. (laughs) And if, if, if if you don't think that's the most adorable thing you've ever seen on television, I don't know what's the matter with you, but I mean, they've brought us stuff like that. They're going to bring us the book of Boba Fett, which I'm a huge Fett fan. And so, and we could do a whole episode on this podcast just on the debate of whether or not Boba Fett's a good character, but I'm a huge Fett fan and they're bringing us the book of Boba Fett and they're, and they're bringing us, um, you know, all the, 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 the Obi-Wan show and all these, this new content and the, the, they brought us the the Bad Batch, which is new a new show that just came out for Disney Plus. That's right. And yeah, and they they went back and finished the Clone Wars show and all of this Star Wars content. Plus, we have Star Wars Land now at Disneyland and Disney World, which you have you have been to Star Wars Land, right? Yes, but yes. I've only been there once, and I've only I only rode the the Millennium Falcon ride. Which, by the way, me and 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 I was with family, so me and my brother in law went. And we, we were on the ride together and we were the pilots. So I flew Han's seat. He flew Chewie's seat. And we literally flew the Millennium Falcon. And it was one of the best days of my life. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Did you, you know the blue milk? I did. It had it, it was a, like a tropical flavor. It didn't taste like milk. <laughs> but it was good, though. Just don't drink the green stuff because that's not very good. But <laughs> at the time that I went, the Rise of the Resistance, which is the second ride they made, hadn't opened yet. Okay. So I have not been there yet. I need to go back to that. We need to go back when, when now that it's open again. We need to go back and uh, be able to go do that ride. But yeah, Disney's brought us a lot of great content for Star Wars. And we could argue about this content they have created that isn't good. But in general, um, this is the perfect time in history for Star Wars to, to be moving forward because of all the content that's out there. And Star Trek's doing some of that too. We've gotten Star Trek Picard now with Jean-Luc Picard coming back. Um, and some people aren't necessarily a big fan of the show. I, I, I liked it, but you know, and Star Trek has discovery and lower decks. So there's, there's all these streaming services has allowed us to enjoy a record amount of content for these franchises that was never available when we were growing up. When we were growing up, it was just the original trilogy. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then you had the special edition where George Lucas went back and messed around with the, the movies, which he never should have. And supposedly made them better in air quotes so (laughs) i wish i was growing up at this age because there's so much content to watch you'll never run out that's right i I have been taking advantage of the streaming services to get caught up on uh, like as you know star trek deep space nine um star trek voyager um so i'm getting caught up all on those on those shows that i haven't watched um for years especially you know voyager um really enjoying getting caught up on that now yeah, and um, it, it's it's great that you're getting caught up on that. And I think down the road, we'll probably do an episode uh, for our podcast where we discuss the different uh, Star Trek uh, shows and probably an episode where we discuss the different trilogies of Star Wars and our likes and dislikes and what we think worked and didn't work and maybe some, maybe some key hot-button topics for each of those. I think that would be kind of a fun one to do. That would be. Um, but in the interest of time, since we're, we're kind of running out of time here for, for the, uh, the episode, um, looking back on kind of what we've discussed and where we've gone on this journey of Star Trek versus Star Wars, what kind of advice would you give people out there who are on the fence of, of saying, well, I have to pick one. I have to decide that one franchise is more supreme than the other. What would you say to them? Yeah, I would say you don't have to pick one. You can love them for their own reasons, and and they're so they're so unique. Um, you know, S- Star Trek being that when you really learn and delve deep more into it, it's that exploration of what is it to be human, and and where will humanity be? You know, five hundred, six hundred, one thousand years from now. Star Wars being it is a space opera. Enjoy it. Enjoy those archetypes. Enjoy the hero's journey because it's completely different. You're gonna you're gonna see a hero. You're gonna see a villain. Those things are gonna be clear. Um, it's something that can uh, appeal to your your children. Um, so let those two not compete with each other and stand on their own and love them for for each of their unique attributes. 
I mean, I'm not even going to try to follow that because I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. That's perfectly summed up there, Chris. I think that um, these franchises are unique. Enjoy them. This is one of the greatest times to be alive, in my opinion, if you're a big movie and TV show uh, entertainment buff like we both are, because there's so much content out there. And I'm sure at some point we'll we'll do an episode on Marvel and DC. Uh, but when it comes to Star Trek and Star Wars, you're absolutely right. Uh, they're two separate things. Enjoy them for what they are. But that doesn't mean you can't joke around and say, well, if the Millennium Falcon took on the Enterprise, which one would win? I mean, we all know the answer is the Enterprise would destroy the Millennium Falcon in a heartbeat, right? But, um, but, it, but it's fun to have those nerd debates because that's what makes being a nerd fun, right? Um, and it's funny, too, because I look back, dude, when we were growing up, the stuff that we like now was not cool. It yeah. really wasn't. Comic books weren't cool. Uh, superhero shows weren't cool. Star Trek and Star Wars weren't, weren't as cool. They were considered nerdy. And now look at it. Everybody's coming around to our point of view. That's right. We've just been ham. We've been beating the table long enough. People are finally coming around. And it's, gr it's great because you get to introduce a whole new group of people, a whole new set of people that never would have seen that stuff before to this stuff. Like my wife, for example, likes the new Battlestar Galactica reboot. She never would have watched that before she met me. So it's really awesome introducing people to what we think are really awesome franchises like star trek and star wars and like for me one of the greatest joys of being a parent besides the obvious is introducing my kids to some of the things that i like jurassic park star trek star wars and then letting them decide what things are their favorite yeah it's a beautiful experience it really is so well, thanks again, Chris. Um, this was an awesome episode. I, I, I really wanted to jump into episode number two and talk about this topic because I think Star Trek versus Star Wars is right up there at the very top of the most debated things in, you know, what we could colloquially call the, the nerddom or nerd kingdom. Um, and in some corners, you know, Star Trek versus Star Wars is cause for nerd civil war i mean look at the movie fanboys <laughs> like 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 we mentioned the movie fanboys addresses this topic so thanks again everybody for for listening uh be sure to check out uh our first episode as well as be sure to subscribe or follow click that button for alerts and um depending on what platform you're on we really greatly appreciate uh your listenership leave us a comment and a rating if you do like our podcast and uh Chris, thanks again, and uh, we will see you guys on the next episode of The Random Red Shirt. Thank you.